Welcome to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBCSportsCalifornia.com, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham, your host. Joining me, as always, Mr. Doug Christie. DC, what's going on, man? How are you? Man, it is hot as heck, and I'm on my way to Wendy's to get a frosty. <laughs> that sounds so good right now. I, I actually think I'm going to stop and get a... I've got... Some soccer tryouts this evening for uh, for my oldest. I think I'm gonna stop and hit Wendy's on on my way home as well because that just sounds way too good. A little chocolate frosty, maybe yeah, some yeah. French fries. Yeah. So yeah, Doug, well, I, I could splurge every now and again. That's right. Well, you you just have this like you don't gain weight, Doug. I, I don't know if people you just have this metabolism still. It doesn't matter what your age is, your metabolism still. Going crazy. Don't, don't jinx me, him. Don't jinx me. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Some of us have to work for these bodies, Doug. We got to work for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, hey, the Sacramento Kings are a little bit in the dog days of summer. Um, but there's been plenty of information floating around out there. Uh, they've had draft, draft prospect workouts. But I'm going to be honest with you, folks. Uh, I've been to all but one of them because I was at Finals Media Day. And uh, they are... They're looking at guys for the second round right now. They haven't brought in any of the top-tier guys. Doug, what do you make of that, that we haven't seen a Marvin Bagley, a Jaron Jackson Jr., a Michael Porter Jr., a, a Doncic is playing overseas, but a, an Aiton. We haven't seen those guys roll through Sacramento. Do you think that's just part of this season's draft process? You know, Ham, I think that it's a new day. And when you talk about the top five to maybe five to ten, but I keep it around five, those top five names, maybe seven, that are projected to go really high in the draft. Now, you don't, they don't come to you. You go to them. And I think that that's the way things are worked out. You know, Marvin Bagley, Aiton, uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., they're going to probably have what I would consider a, you know, a pro day for a, high, a, a college football player, for instance, where you, they invite scouts, they come to them, they go through a predetermined workout to make them look their best, all the different things is set up. They already probably have it schematically laid out. It's a different day than it used to be, probably around – 13, right? If you're right outside that top five or seven, those are the players that you'll probably be able to get in, but those are later first round picks and maybe even some that drop to the second round, a la Kyle Kuzma, a la Frank Mason, who I saw in a workout last year, but really turned out to be fantastic players. Yeah, it's really strange for me because when I first started doing this, the draft was crazy. And every year the Kings have fallen in the top 10, um, at least the last the last eight years that I've been covering the team. And so you do get to see some guys come through. Um, I, I always bring up the Jimmer story. Uh, when Jimmer came through Sacramento, 
there was a lady hiding in the bushes and jumped out with like a sign saying I love Jimmer or something. Um, so, so some of the top prospects, even last season, um, I know, you know, like Justin Jackson, Harry Giles, they came through Sacramento, but so did Donovan Mitchell. Uh, so did a handful of the guys in the top 10. And so I think the Kings were able to get guys, but even when a guy like De'Aaron Fox, when he came through, it was on the down low and he didn't work out. He just came in and had dinner with the team and they didn't, they didn't invite media. And then I know Josh Jackson worked out in Sacramento last year, so the Kings went and saw him. Uh, same thing with Markel Fultz. He was around Sacramento at one point. I think the Kings went and saw him. Um, so so some of these guys you got to see. But I think for the way that the draft is changing is that agents control everything. And they, they're trying to tell players when and where and how you know to go uh, with all the top-end prospects. And they just aren't going to visit. They're not going to visit many teams. I know we've seen like Mo Bamba has a workout or had a workout with uh, Chicago. But some of these guys, I mean, if you're if you're Mo Bamba, if you're Michael Porter Jr., uh, if you're a Wendell Carter, and there's potential, even a Bagley, for you to move up to number two, it just seems strange to me that you wouldn't like go and make a concerted effort to do everything in your power to win that number two spot. But I guess that's kind of the modern athlete, right? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that in a lot of cases, some of these guys get bad intel from their agents or intel that is today's intel. Because I agree with you, if you're not locked into that number one spot and there are probably five or six, or I won't say five, there are probably three or four guys that could be possible number two picks. I would go out of my way because if you were the one that stood out and said, you know what, I want to come work out for you. You come see me in my, in my uh, environment as well, but I want to come work out for you. I want to show you what I can do. I want to show, and I want to be in a, in a different environment to show you that I can produce in any environment. Those are the guys that are going to, they're going to stand out to you. And sometimes now we see it even at the draft combine him where a lot of players will go and they'll do all the measurables, the treadmill, uh, you know, the beep drill, the, the chest, the bench press, all the different things, but they won't play. I could care less about all the measurables because I really want to see you on the court. I want to see how you compete. I want to see when, when you get down by five, how do you respond when someone picks you up? How do you with that competitive edge? And unfortunately nowadays we're not seeing all, a lot of that. So it's a, it's a guessing game in a lot of ways. You got to trust your eye, trust your, your scouting department and trust the feel that you have for a player. Yeah, and Doug, we talked, it was on a podcast like, what, a week and a half ago, and you said you went to, what, was it eight workouts in six days? Yes, yes, and some of them, uh, the last couple were two a day. I can remember I was in New York and Westchester, worked out for them. They took me to the airport. I flew on a commuter plane to Boston, and instead of working out uh, for Red Hour back, he took me into his office. We sat down, and we talked for about 45 minutes or so, just about a little bit of life, but basketball, who I liked in the draft, the other players I saw, different things like that. So there's a lot of different ways that they can disseminate information. Also, you know, say a guy doesn't work out at 10 or 12, and in a year or two he's available, but you really like that interview that you had with him and you've been watching him, but now you know a little bit about him and you decide to bring him onto your team. So there's a lot of different ways the general managers will get information. It's not always for now. Sometimes it's for the future. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's just weird. The draft is morphing all the time. And I think last year, I remember writing this, it was seven out of the top 20 the Kings had through for workouts, but that was because they had both the five and the 10 pick coming into the draft. So they had a few more doors that were open. Now, I, I really don't think that there's that many players that that the Kings want to bring through uh, in that top end. Um, I do know that Vivek and, uh, and Vlade were people were snapping pictures today of them in I think it's Real Madrid they were uh for a Real Madrid game they're watching Doncic play today um and look I think we're gonna see a lot of smoke screen between now and June 21st we're kind of getting down to the wire where teams are really they're honing in on who they're gonna take but then they're trying to get the best value for what you know they what's best for them and uh and I think again I I've heard this from the Kings. I've heard it from people within the organization. They're still open. They're still like, they've got a wide open view of this draft. They're willing to move down a little bit. They're willing to take one of maybe three players at the top. Uh, you know, if, if somehow Aiton falls to them, I think they would have to take Aiton. Uh, but also, you know, they, they like Doncic, uh, they like Bagley and they really like Michael Porter Jr. Those three guys, uh, is there any one of those three that you've watched enough of that just sticks out to you, Doug, that you're like, man, I really hope we get to cover that guy long-term? You know, that that would be Michael Porter Jr. I, I would say from the standpoint, um, Pam, that he, he would definitely need to pass the physical. That, that's, that's first and foremost. But let's just say he does. Uh, you're talking about a guy that's 6'10 and 3 quarters, almost 6'11", uh, uber-athletic, not – I won't say uber, I won't say crazy athletic, but he he can throw it down with the best of them. He can put the ball on the floor, uh, he grabs a rebound, brings it full court. The, the piece that people saw of him that he's left a taste in their mouth was the NCAA tournament, and that wasn't anywhere close to who Michael Porter Jr. was. If you can pass the physical and all of that, and you are totally comfortable with where he is physically, there probably isn't a more talented guy in the draft. He can bring the ball up up to court. I, I think that he can stay in front of threes and fours. Now, defense is something that it's not be a lockdown defender, but if he's got the IQ of a team defender. But when you talk about being able to put the ball in the basket, he can shoot the three ball. He can put the ball on the floor. He can pass the ball. He can do everything that you want, all the measurables of a, of a skill set, and he has elite size. I would say that Marvin Bagley, in my opinion, may be the safest pick uh, from a standpoint that, I mean, he just is, he's solid, uh, Ham. He, I watched him, I went and saw him in person at Duke uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium against Pittsburgh this, this last year uh, when I was on the road with the Kings, and he put up 20 of the easiest points. Now, Pittsburgh is a great team, but the point is uh, he showed you the jumper, he put it on the deck, he grabs rebounds with both hands, and the quickest second jump that I've seen in quite some time. Um, and those are two that, that stand out from the size standpoint. But if Michael uh, Porter Jr. passes his physical, I really like what I see out of this kid. Yeah, you know, I, I'm on the fence still with Porter Jr. Uh, as far as the talent, I'm absolutely in love with him. Uh, I think, you know, again, you talk about the almost 6'11 with over a 7-foot wingspan. Uh, defensively, he's not great, and he's going to need a lot of work there. But I think you can say the same thing about uh, Doncic and Bagley. 
I don't think either one of those two are known for their defensive acumen either. And for that matter, DeAndre Ayton isn't known for his defensive acumen. Um, I think guys have to learn that a little bit at the league uh, when they come in the league and they've got to improve and become better team defenders. Um, but again, we didn't get to see a huge sample size of Michael Porter Jr. The biggest thing for me is that the bill of health has to be clean. I mean, I've got to know. I've got to know 100%. I've been doing a lot of research on him uh, because I do know that the Kings like him. And, you know, he's he's an, an intriguing kid. He's a little different. Uh, he's a vegan uh, who has a very regimented diet. Um, but some of the things that I've read, uh, you know, he originally injured his back in 2015 when he was a sophomore. And he played his his junior and senior year of college. Uh, and that's, I mean, of high school. And that's with him playing in Team USA competition, him playing at McDonald's All-American. He played in all of those competitions with a back injury. And his dad has been very clear that that's when it happened, that he fell and hurt his back um, when he was, was, I think, 15, 16. Um, And then it didn't really get treated until, you know, the first two minutes of his game, first game at Missouri, he pulls up lame and starts feeling numbness down his legs and everything else. Uh, so, I mean, he, right. yeah, he had a, he had a hernia surgery on the L4 and the, the L3 and L4. Uh, and it's something that the Kings know well. Uh, I, I think it's a surgery that something very similar to what Vlade Divac had as a player. Uh, so they do know this injury. But I got to know, Doug, I got to I gotta know that he's perfect and because – Bagley is is going to be a very good NBA player. Doncic looks like he's going to be a very good NBA player. I think that Porter has more upside. I think he has superstar potential, but I also know he has a larger bust potential just because of the back. So I, I've got to know, and I would love to to trade down to five and get him. I just don't know that that can happen. You you know him. It, it wouldn't. You know I'm a Miles Bridges guy. I'm also Mikael Bridges. I, I like both of those players. If if you know, uh, uncovering all the stones. If someone was to offer you an absolute all-star right now that was young enough that you felt fit in and you can move down to maybe seven and still come away with like a Miles Bridges, I, I think that that would be something that the Kings look forward as well. I, I think that you look under all the stones, you see all the options, all the possibilities. I know some Kings fans might say, oh, my God, trading the number two pick. But the point is that this team improves and takes that next step. And however you come about that process, that's what you go by. I have no idea what they're going to do, but just throwing that out there. Yeah, I agree. All right, Doug, we're going we're gonna to take a short sponsor break, which is different, but we're doing it. So uh, you're listening to the Kings Insider Podcast brought to you by Wendy's. Ride into Wendy's and try a new Southwest Avocado Chicken Sandwich or Southwest Avocado Chicken Salad. The Southwest is coming to you, Doug Christie. And it's only at limited <laughs> for a limited time at Wendy's at participating Wendy's. So make sure to drop into Wendy's. Doug, you know the other thing? We, we actually have another cool sponsor of this right now. Uh, you do know that I am a boat owner and uh, the waterways uh people the boats and waterways people uh would like to do a psa so we're gonna drop a psa right here and let people uh listen and make sure that they're being safe on the water i thought you were gonna tell me i was about to get a new boat or something for free but that works 
I can't wait to spend some quality time with my son fishing this year, teaching him about casting, how to choose bait, set the hook, and how to be safe on the water by always wearing a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. All right, Doug, we're back. Look at that, Doug. We have commercial breaks. And no, I'm not getting you a new hey. boat, Doug. You can come up and hang uh, out on my today. boat anytime that you want. Anytime that you want. I got you. I'm just, you know, I, I like crappie fishing, so I was just thinking that you might, you know, uh, but that's okay. I'm with you. We've got some huge, huge big mouth bass in my lake. Like, I don't know, six, eight pound bass. I, I see pictures all the time. I know we had a, a a fishing derby this last weekend, and the most of them were coming in like high five pounds, uh, almost six pounds. Um, and that's just like off the shore, I think. I don't think people were allowed to go out in their boats and fish so yeah wow. there's there's fish up here doug there's fish in them there hills uh yeah i, I got you I, although doug i'm not a fisherman I, I i don't fish so so if you come up here uh, i'll just barbecue that's that's what we'll do uh all right so douglas hey, man, you know what i teach you how to fish that lasts a lifetime <laughs> there it is i'll be able to feed myself forever <laughs> that's right baby. that's that's awesome all right doug so uh look the other thing that really impresses me is when I walk into these workouts, uh, the prospects come through, they they chit-chat, they do their thing, they leave, and then while media's packing up, out comes Harry Giles, out comes Frank Mason Jr., out comes Buddy Hield, out comes, man, name that king, Scalabissier, Frank Mason, uh, Jakar Sampson with a weird man bun thing on top of his head, I don't even know what to call it. Uh, the Kings, uh, Nigel Hayes, these guys are in town. They're working, they're working hard right now with each other, trying to get better, trying to improve, trying to get stronger. How important is the off season for a team filled with young players? I think it's imperative and very impressive that the Kings have these players here because this is not a requirement. This is something that they are saying as a group, we want to improve. We want to come and we want to work with the coaches. And I think it's big time because look, if the Kings are going to take the next step, the draft pick is going to help, but the draft pick in and of itself is not going to be the piece that makes them move forward. It's going to be the improvement of De'Aaron Fox and his jump shot and his stamina to play both ends of the court and be a two-way player bogey taking that next step uh you know buddy healed being able to continue what he did at the end of the season then you look at harry giles stepping in do you do you see willie collie stein and scow taking that next step that's really where this king's team is going to grow and for those guys to dedicate their time to be here and see them working it is it, it makes me smile I'm happy for Kings fans because I know more than anything, they want them to be out there playing at a really high level. And this is the beginning of them accomplishing that. Him. That's right. And, you know, it's not to say that the veterans aren't somewhere in a gym working. I know Costa Kufis is right now running a basketball camp in Ohio. And for those of you, uh, we've had Costa on the podcast and talked about some of this stuff before, but Costa is really an amazing guy. Um, he lost his father uh, to cancer, and his his father, uh, Costa was only nine, I believe, when his father passed away. And on top of that, um, his father was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 
an oncologist. He was a, a cancer doctor and then passed away. Um, and Costa gives back so much to his community in Ohio, uh, which is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, he's opted in. He will be a Sacramento King next season without any question, uh, barring a trade from yeah. the team this summer. Um, he's a guy that I think that fits into what the Kings are trying to do as a really, really nice player that can play 15 minutes or 28 minutes or, you know, 12 minutes. It doesn't matter. Costa's always ready to come in and sort of give it his all. Um, but Doug Garrett Temple is a guy that we don't know yet. We don't know what the answer is, whether he's going to come back or not. He's got a one year, $8 million option for next season. Uh, Vince Carter is another veteran that is likely not coming back. Uh, he was on a one-year deal. You got Iman Shumpert. You got Zach Randolph. Do the Kings have enough veterans? Or have their young players, some of them got to an age where you have to start counting them as something different, as as not young players anymore? Well, I think that you're looking at Willie. It's in that now he's starting to be that, that veteran. So he's going to have to start delivering at that veteran type of uh, type of level on a night-to-night basis. Meaning, and when I say veteran, I mean like Costa Kufus. There's a consistency in Costa Kufus that if you pay, play him 20 to 25 minutes, he's pretty much going to get you a double-double. That's what you want to see from Willie with those type of minutes. Uh, and, and then you got some young players that are right in that area to take that next step. Your question, though, is uh, about veterans. I, I say this, are the veterans going to be able to be productive enough to, to, for you to want to play them in front of some of these young guys and deal with the young people's mistakes? Because young players make mistakes, but that's how they learn. So are you going to play a Buddy Heald more consistently as opposed to Garrett Templeton? Is Buddy is going to, is he going to keep on with the same type of defensive effort and intensity and the things that uh, you get from a Garrett Temple, but you don't necessarily get the scoring that you're going to get from Buddy and you're going to get from Bogey. Um, you know, those are the, those are the questions. I will say this though, the veterans have a place because the, the, the amount and the type of information that they're able to give these players, it's, man, it, you, you can't really measure it, Ham, because it's a peer-to-a-peer. I've been there before. I can tell you about it. I've been there. I've been there personally where I've gotten information from a veteran and I look over at, on the bench and he's looking at me and winking or pointing his finger because he says that's exactly what I'm talking about. So, um uh, it's hard to answer that question because you won't know if these veterans are going to play until we see really, are these young guys going to step up and start to take those minutes? Because ultimately that's really what you got to do to a veteran is you got to take the minutes away by showing that you're ready, willing, and able to step on the court and deliver. All right, Doug, I don't want to keep you all day. Uh, We both have crazy, crazy things going on outside of here. Uh, But the NBA Finals are going on right now. I've been at all of the home games for finals and the Western Conference Championship. Um, is this thing over? Because it sure does look and feel and smell like it's a four-game, maybe five-game uh, Warriors. And, and, I, and I just don't know that the Cavs can recover from what they, they've had happen to them in Game 1 and Game 2. You know, I, I, I predicted that the Cavs would win game one. I was off. That was really, you know, it was one of those things that just it doesn't happen. But it, it You got J.R., Doug. You got J.R. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, 
yes, sir. And then uh, I said that I thought the Warriors would come out and blow them out in game two, and pretty much they did that. But I will say this. The Cavaliers have showed that they can compete. They have to be perfect, but they have to compete, and LeBron James has to play game seven LeBron James for them to compete. So this this third game in Cleveland is going to be the most telling of the series. And the reason that I say that is I think that they're – the, the players for the Cleveland Cavaliers, all the other players, they're going to play better. There's going to be a pep in their step. I think that their shots fall. I think – and if they are able to do that, I give them a good chance to win because you have the best player in the world on your team. And I, I'm calling for Golden – I mean, uh, for Cleveland to win game three by about eight points. If that happens, then it's going to be up to this Golden State team – not to come out in game four and have one of their Golden State games where they throw the ball all around the gym and they just kind of lose focus. So, yeah, it, it could be over in five, but I could also see Cleveland Cavaliers going home and really playing well and winning two games as well. All right, Doug, last question. I, I, this is something that's it's been kind of strange for me to hear. But a couple of the Cavs players have talked about the pressure of playing with LeBron James, to playing with the greatest player of this generation, um, and, and maybe the greatest player of all time. Although he's not my greatest player of all time, um, but what is? Have you had that pressure as a player where you're looking at a player that you're that's on your team that's so great and's been so great for so long, and you don't want to let him down or or you just feel like it's just an added thing that you don't know how to deal with? Um, no, I, I won't say, I won't say that. Uh, I was coached by Magic Johnson and as a kid, he was my, one of my idols. So you're, you're I'm like, look, I, you know, I want to do so good and, and want to play well. I played with Patrick Ewing and I didn't play, but just watching the enormity of the situation with Pat Riley and things like that, I can understand it. But you know what I attribute it to is I, I look at a situation like what you're describing as when a guy gets paired up with Tiger Woods and all of a sudden you can hear about it, all this different stuff, but all of a sudden you got a gallery that's just following you that is just totally out of control and all the pressure is on you. How do you deliver? And look, this is what LeBron James has created. He's created a bubble, but he's lived in it. So for him, this is an everyday occurrence, the way that he deals with the press, the way that he deals with the pressure, all those different situations. And it's, it, it is, it's right for some players and some players can't handle it. A la Kobe Bryant. He, he puts so much pressure on his teammates because he knows that the, that the situation is going to be so great and he's going to find himself in really enormous situations and he needs you to be perfect because his, his good is what some people consider perfect for them. You know, LeBron James at halftime has 18.7 assists and nine rebounds. For him, that's just a day out. For most people at the end of the game, they're like, man, I was playing awesome tonight. Well, it, it's, it's part of what goes along with being one of the greatest to ever play the game, and that's why it's not for everybody to play with them because there is a lot of pressure that is applied in those situations. Yeah. I, I agree completely. I find it humorous that uh, that Kevin Durant, everyone said how horrible he ga- uh, game he had, and I think it was game one, and he finished with 26 points, nine rebounds, six assists, like three blocks. Um, I'll take that horrible <laughs> game on my team any 
any day of the week come on aboard and be horrible on my team putting up 26 9 6 and 3 um all right doug that's yeah, gonna do it that's gonna do it for this edition of the king's insider podcast uh we're gonna have another podcast on friday i've got a guest coming in uh, to talk draft stuff um and so look for that to come up we're also gonna have facebook live all week uh we'll have facebook live show on wednesday and on friday uh so again that's gonna do it for this edition of the king's insider podcast on nbc sports california brought to you by wendy's thanks to doug christie for joining me uh we'll talk to you guys very very soon all right you've been listening to the king's insider podcast brought to you by wendy's if you haven't already please visit apple podcasts or google play to subscribe and if you like our podcast give us a rating and a review we would really appreciate it you can follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at nbcs authentic we'll be back next week with doug christie and another great guest thanks for tuning in kings fans we'll see you very soon